Hi, and welcome to Unlimited. Today we are online with Cairo to interview Susan Sabet, the founder and editor-in-chief of Passion, the most prominent fashion magazine in Egypt. Recognized among the 500 most influential people in the fashion industry worldwide, Susan started to work in the fashion world since she was very young and worked with her mother in their childwear factory. After a successful experience in advertising and publishing industry, in 2003, she decided to create her own magazine, a Pan-Arab Fashion and Beauty Glossy, now distributed in nine Arab countries. The magazine was the first to stand out in the region, targeting Arab women and showcasing side-by-side international and local designers. In fact, Susan constantly strived to support local and upcoming designers, launching a string of promotional events like uh, Luxury for a Cause, and organizing overseas exhibition for Egyptian designers. So we are excited to hear Susan's perspective on fashion, but also on motherhood and life. Hello, Nicoletta, how are you? Hello, Susan. Welcome to Unlimited. I would like to start our conversation from the very beginning of your brilliant career in the fashion industry. I understand that you used to accompany your mother at her factory can you tell us more about it? Um, my mother um, started a children's wear factory in the early 80s. And uh, I started working with her. She was in charge for the production, running the factory. And I was in charge for design and overseeing the sales. We started out in supplying uh, shops, uh, supplying retailers. At the time, there were maybe, there must have been a few factories, uh, two or three, something like this, who had trendy uh, children's wear in Egypt. And um, so it was doing pretty well. But like in every market, when it grows, the industry grows and the competition grows. So more and more children's wear factories started to open up. And uh, we had to get more uh, retail outlets. Uh, we had, and we opened our own stores eventually. So we had two stores. Um, and, but, you know, when I got married and when I, uh, after I had my children and I started working uh, with the magazine and everything, and my mother, she just felt, you know, she doesn't want to do this anymore. She was getting old and she said, you know, it's, I don't want to deal with problems anymore. And she just shut it down and I wasn't interested in running a factory. After this first experience, uh, your achievement in the fashion world has been impressive. I would like to ask you if you face any challenge along your journey, anything that changed your perspective and goals? Well, of course, uh, every business faces challenges. And like I said, uh, with a growing market, uh, the industry grows and the competition grows. So if I look again, if I talk about my mother's uh, children's uh, wear company, called, it was called Teddy Wear. Yeah, we, we started off, we had no competitors. Uh, we had an open market. Uh, I mean, so we did very well. We were dealing with a selected number of retailers that had a good reputation in the market, that were professional people that were paying well. 
And what happened was when uh, more and more factories started opening up, uh, first of all, they started giving credit facilities. So the retailer would say, okay, we also want credit facilities from you. Uh, then uh, the retailers would take less merchandise from us because they wanted to have variety from different factories. So we had to look for more retailers to fulfill the capacity, the production capacity we have, um, which again meant uh, more sales staff, dealing with more people that you don't know, that might not have a good reputation, that want credit facilities. So collecting your money became a big problem, became an issue. Uh, making more different uh, styles so you're more appealing to your current current uh, retailer instead of selling him 20 pieces of one style you would sell him 20 pieces mixed of three four styles so he has the variety which of course in the production process is less feasible and you'd have to buy different fabrics and so everything became more um, more difficult and we, you had to spend more to sell basically and produce the same amount plus to collect your money was more difficult so that's that's a problem definitely with uh, you know with that came along with competition now about the magazine that i launched in 2003 i think the biggest challenge that we have is that we are not based in dubai because the personal contact with the brand managers, the PR agents, uh, the advertising, the media representatives that decide the budget is very important. So, of course, I try to go a lot, but it's not like living there. You miss out on so, on so much uh, networking opportunities. And um, so, of course, this challenge has become bigger and bigger. The more magazines, the more social media, events, the more online platforms are there. Um, so this, I think, is is a big challenge for us, and you know, this is um, something we really have to uh, try to find a solution. But it's, uh, yeah, personal relations are key for sure. I'm sure you will find the, the solution. And um, well, regarding passion, reading it um, online, we found uh, an amazing section dedicated to Egyptian designers. I would like to ask you, when did you decide to add this session and uh, how do you choose the designers to be featured there? Uh, I've, yes, we founded Passion. I founded Passion in 2003 in Cairo because I live in Cairo. At the time, of course, it was clear to me that uh, it has to be a regional magazine because at the time also import was forbidden uh, of imported clothes were not allowed in Egypt. So, um, and the brands were either uh, were based in Dubai or even if they were, uh, if you deal with the brands in Milan or in Paris or London or New York, their key markets were, were Dubai, Saudi, uh, Kuwait. So uh, it had to be a regional uh, magazine that was clear from the beginning. And at the time, what made it stand out definitely, and a lot of people used to call it it's a pioneering magazine, because at the time there wasn't, there weren't really any fashion magazines, Arab fashion magazines uh, that looked 
uh, like international fashion magazines uh, regarding layout, regarding content curation. So this was, uh, uh, that was, you know, a gap that needed to be filled. So, uh, so this was something that was really exciting for us, trying to do something on an international standard, like uh, as, with the layout, with the content, doing our fashion shoots abroad internationally, um, curating the content to what the reader really, according to the trends, uh, the seasons and everything. When the corona, the COVID-19 crisis started, uh, I started thinking, you know, uh, what can we do? I, I talked to a lot of the designers here in Cairo. I also had some feedbacks, of course, from the emerging designers in the region. And uh, everybody more or less had the same problem that there are no sales. It's a downtime. So a lot of the production facilities were shut down, whether it was their own or they were outsourcing in small ateliers or factories. So um, this designer hub... Uh, I felt it uh, was basically born then, and I said, I mean, there is a downtime in production and in sales, but everybody's online. So let's make use of that. Let's benefit from the high online traffic. And um, so this hub was meant to present the designers give them a platform where they can be discovered, whether it's our uh, regional, Egyptian or regional, Arab, or even international subscribers and visitors to the website, to build their brand awareness and their reach at the time where the online traffic is very high. Even if they have nothing to sell now, they are, you know, they've they've uh, reached maybe new potential customers that when they start shopping again will remember them come back to them visit their website visit their instagram site to shop maybe so it's just bringing the designers together at the same time um of course uh, uh, we said it's a, it's a way to connect them which is also very very important connecting these designers because now in a, in a crisis like this, it's more important than ever that we work together and not against each other. And I think this is one problem we've always have among emerging designers that everybody works alone and doesn't want to share any information and doesn't want to help anybody. But this is the time where, no, we should work together. So, of course, I have a big database of clients uh, and uh, of, sorry, of designers. I've contacted them, we sent them email shots, uh, and as the word started spreading, more and more designers started contacting us, wanting to be part of this, uh, of this designer hub. Of course, it is for free, it, uh, we don't charge, I mean, and this is of course also in collaboration with the Egyptian Fashion and Design Council, where I'm also a founding member. How do we choose the designers? Well, of course, uh, I always look at designers that have been at least two seasons in the business because it means they're sustainable, they're here to stay, they probably will have a new collection coming out, they are professional in some way. 
uh, we'd like them to be registered, to be a registered business. That's very important. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. So, uh, yeah, and uh, be a sustainable brand, basically, you know, there's no sense in anybody, whether it's a mentor or whether it's an investor, to give their time or give their money for somebody who's not here to stay. Because if a designer that I promote or help fails, it's me who failed. In the end of the day, it comes back to me, you know. Whether it is that I, I didn't recognize that uh, as a mentor or as an investor that this person doesn't have the the product, doesn't have uh, the st- sustainability, it doesn't have what it takes to be a successful brand. So it comes back to me also. This is really uh, giving a, an important boost, I think, in, in these times uh, with the COVID-19 uh, uh, to, to all the designers that you are uh, reaching out to. Actually, I also want to ask you, uh, how do you see this crisis shaping the fashion world, especially in the Middle East? And how you think can uh, small designers survive? Well, this crisis that's caused by COVID-19 uh, is everywhere in the world, and it's in every industry almost. It's not only the fashion industry. Will it shape the fashion world? Well, yeah, that's that's the big question. I mean, sales are down for almost everybody. The uncertainty, how long this will take, is a big factor. Nobody knows. One hears bad prognosis for the future. Some say, oh, the fashion industry will only recover in 2022. So that's very scary. So it's, I mean, if if one would know all the right answers, that would be great. But I don't think anybody at this stage has the right answers what to do. Sales are down, the uncertainty, how long, we don't know. And like, there are bad prognoses. So when I talk to designers, um, I think, The first thing I say is, okay, evaluate your business. This is the time maybe we should really evaluate our business. If my business has been doing bad before this crisis, of course, it's doing now worse, it is very unlikely that this business will pick up after Corona. So as harsh as it sounds, as hard as it is, maybe this is the time to reevaluate and said, maybe it's time to shut down my business. Because business is business, you need to do money. As, even if you have a lot of passion for what you do, but if you're just spending and losing, that's not sustainable. That's not the sustainable formula. So I think this COVID-19 is an opportunity also to say, well, shall we continue this or is it better to to shut down now before we occur more and more losses? Downtime like this is also often an opportunity 
to start a new business for a lot of people because you have the time now to plan you have to uh, you have the time now to uh, study the competition uh, gives you more time for the launch to prepare well um i always tell the uh, my, the designers i say okay now we're not producing much we're not selling much let's use this time for marketing building database growing online presence, do research, potential retailers when things are back, whether they're online, they're offline, research on your competitors, what do they do, what are their activities, how do they market themselves, um, educate yourself. Uh, so there is so much. As you guys are so lucky today. You have the internet, you have Google. We didn't have that at the time, you know. So uh, everything is just a click away, basically. You can find out everything. And since there is a downtime, use it, you know. Use, use it to educate and grow yourself. Sure, you're totally right. Um, what do you think is missing in the fashion industry that consumers need today? I really don't think there's much missing, honestly, in the fashion industry that consumers would need. I mean, um, it's. Uh, I think there is an oversupply actually of product. There is an over. Uh, I mean, so uh, I, I really can't say that there is anything I need, or that consumers in general need. Can you name for us three Middle Eastern designers that are not well known yet, but that you think the world should discover? It's it's impossible to answer for me who are three designers I would recommend. There's too many of them that are very talented, have a product that has its own DNA, so therefore has a potential place in the international market, and that are professional. Now, for me, I think one of the most important uh, criteria for a designer to grow is being professional. And this is also one of the biggest challenges among emerging designers. I understand that creative people are usually not business people. So a creative person, if he wants to grow, has to find a business partner, a business side to him. He has to find somebody who takes care of the business, takes care of the marketing uh, to be able to grow. So, um, like I said, there are so many good ones out there that uh, really have a great product that is unique, that has its place in the international market, that is competitive, um, that has a team behind it, a designer behind it, that really studied that product, that knows, okay, this is missing sort of in the market. I mean, there isn't much, like I said, missing, but at least uh, there is less competition for this product. My price is good. I've studied the competition with my pricing, with my uh, edge, whatever it is, whether it's handmade, whether it's a stitch that nobody else has, whether I'm uh, flexible in customizing, you know. So I think once somebody really has studied the market and knows what there is, then, yes, uh, they are ready to go and try to find their place in the international market. On the other hand, I always recommend, I say, you know, as long as you have not fulfilled 
the demand of your local market? Why look to export? Most likely your profit will be much smaller than your profit in the local market. So as long as you still have not fulfilled the local demand, just for saying, you know, I sell abroad, is it really worth it? Again, this is something one should really look into it. This is also something the business side looks into it because the designer, of course, wants to say I sell in London or I sell in Milan because it sounds prestigious, you know. And uh, But the business side would look at, okay, how much less are we going to do on each product? And how much is it going to, because how much does it cost to ship? How much is the, is the profit for the, for the retail market? You know, how much less are we going to do? Is this really worth it? Yes, I, I see what you mean. And uh, uh, for sure you have a vision of uh, uh, the whole business process that uh, uh, often the, the designers cannot have. And that's why uh, people like you are, are very, very, uh, needed in the in the industry. Well, I would like to ask you how uh, you keep yourself updated and always in touch with the latest trend. Do you have any tips for us? Well, I receive, of course, daily press releases from the brands, from the designers uh, about their latest collections, their latest news, uh, upcoming collections, their next season, uh, their you know celebrity news, uh, anything related to the industry. And then, of course, I also subscribe to many fashion industry publications, such as Business of Fashion, Women's Wear Daily. And I recommend that uh, also designers do that because it really gives you an insight on the international fashion industry uh, as a whole and like on retailer news, on uh, production news. So it's a, it's a very, very, very interesting. Uh, these are very interesting publications that... Um, Everybody should be in the fashion industry, should be uh, subscribed to, to be staying in the constant know. On a personal note, I would like to ask you how being a mother has influenced your career and your attitude towards fashion. Well, I think, you know, um, I don't think being a mother has changed my attitude towards fashion but it has definitely influenced my career. And this is a very tricky one, and I think it's a very personal choice. On one hand, if I wouldn't have had kids, I'm sure I could have dedicated much more time to my work, for sure. On the other hand, today, I regret not spending more time with my kids when they were young, before they left to college, that I was traveling a lot, and um, because once they leave the house, that's it. You've missed out on that growing up together in one house, having breakfast together, having lunch together, dinner together, um, watching TV together, being close, being able to go into the room, take a kiss, take a hug. Because once they're gone, yes, even if they come back on holidays, they're busy with their friends, uh, uh, they maybe get married or they move out into their ho own home, they start a job somewhere abroad. So it's over, basically. I mean, that closeness you had when they still lived at home is gone. So I think that's that's the one thing for me. 
I always say this is what I regret the most. Uh, of course, it would have influenced my work. I would have had less time to dedicate. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's a choice you make. I have a lot of friends in the fashion industry. A lot of them are much younger than me. And some, you know, when they start their life or a family or they get married, they often come to me for advice in this, about those questions. And they ask me. And I always tell them, you know, that having kids is the most beautiful thing in the world. And it's the only person or me want to say thing that you love more than yourself. So it's your choice. If you are lucky and you can manage your career without leaving them too much alone, try to do that. And uh, yes, a lot of people say it's about the quality, not the quantity. Sure. But even, you know, quantity makes a difference. That's what I, what I feel, what I feel today that I've missed out on. Yeah, I have to say that I totally agree. Quantity makes a difference. Finally, we come to the key word of our program. What does unlimited mean to you? Well, I see it as a very niche, new uh, platform. It connects women who supposedly have it all, the family and the career, and uh, gives insight to women who may be career women who are about to start a family uh, and uh, on different opinions, like, you know, like I'm talking about regrets, right? Somebody else who was able to juggle the career and the personal life and the family much better will give the tricks and how, or the tips on how they did it, which is amazing. So uh, I think um, a platform like Unlimited It's great because it's not there. Uh, I haven't heard of one. And so many women out there, career women out there, are mothers. And it also gives maybe an insight on young women who do work with their mother to see how their mother perceives working as a mother with a child, you know. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, initiative. It's a great platform. Thank you so much for your words and your insights, Susan. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Unlimited on your favorite podcast app so you won't miss out on our next stories. To find out more about our content, please follow us on Instagram at un.limited.me to stay up to date with our latest news and releases. Last but not least, because talented mothers and women are truly unlimited, if you have a story to tell, please get in touch through our website, www.unhafenlimited.me. Thank you.